0: Welcome in, it's a special edition of the BCJ podcast here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel and I've got a couple special guests. There is big news in college basketball today. This podcast is not going to really be all that University of Cincinnati related, but I I know this is something that has generated a lot of uh, discussion on the message board. So I got a couple of guys that uh, I think have a good handle on this to join me. And we're going to talk about the ramifications, what it means for the schools involved, what it means for recruiting uh, on a national level, uh, just uh, a lot of different topics joining me, Bobby Reagan, Barstool Regs uh, on Twitter, and, and Bobby, you you, you think it's going to be a normal day? 9.15, yeah. 9.30 hits, and all of a sudden, it's not normal at all.
1: Yeah, I got, well, Brian got a, a text, I think, a lot worse than, worse than me, but I got the text, whatever you're doing, drop it and go look online, which... Immediately, I'm like, okay, what did I do last weekend that is now public? And it's
0: like, well, good thing, it was, good thing it wasn't me. Well, I, I, as you know from our previous conversations, I'm a diehard stoolie. I've been a stoolie since like 2006. Like, I, I used to do wake-ups with Uncle Buck. That oh was yeah. Like, yeah, that's how. Who, who was the? Was it Keith that that hit you up this morning and said, uh, "Let's get to work"? Or
1: no, no, it was. Like my cousin, I was in the middle oh, – okay. as I told you earlier, I was like in the middle of – I had a, an Excel sheet. I was charting stuff, and I didn't even have – like I had minimized my my Twitter feed, so I wasn't even on there at the first – to see the first tweet. And then all of a sudden, like, I I got a G chat and then I got a bunch of text messages just like, what's going on? And I was like, oh, oh something happened. And immediately I was like, oh, no, oh, there it is. People are arrested.
0: You, you want to speak of immediately? How about a guy that's voice is now on wiretap with the FBI? Welcome in Brian Snow from Scout.com. Brian, you're kind of yeah. famous in the wrong way right
2: now. <laughs> yeah, that, it was funny's not the word I would use, but you know, you almost laugh to keep from crying sometimes. And you know, you see the tweet. I, I don't know who sent out the initial one. Probably around nine thirty. And as everyone knows, I'm not exactly the earliest riser in the country. So I probably got up around eight forty-five, just kind of settling in to do my work, or what I think my daily work's going to be. <laughs> and you just see an ominous tweet: "College basketball coaches have been arrested, FBI." And good morning. <laughs> so then it's like, "Book Richardson." Well, I've known him for a decade. Tony Bland, I've talked to him. Lamont Evans, I don't know him. And then uh, who? Who was number four? Chuck Persson. Chuck Chuck Persson, the the Rifleman. So so it's like, okay, interesting. Wasn't expecting that. And then you start hearing what it is and that they've been wiretapped, and all of a sudden you just go, holy, the FBI has heard my voice. (laughs) And it's just this really weird feeling, because even though you know you didn't do anything that they give a crap about, it's like, Didn't think this one would ever happen. Like, didn't think I'd check this box off on the old bucket list. But they did. I did. And I'm here. And to my knowledge, I'm not going to be arrested tomorrow. Well,
0: your tweet was still, I think, my favorite of the day when you tweeted, you know, that feeling when you realize that the FBI has your voice on record. and (laughs) The timing of it is everything because it was chaos from 930 to 1030 or so with people figuring out, just trying to sort through everything. And, and, and snow of course has to bring a little levity to the situation and it, it, perfect timing, perfect comedy snow. I'll give you a, a 9.6 on that tweet. It was very, very good.
2: And I appreciate it, Cause you're like the Russian judge. You're a tough grader. <laughs> I,
0: I'm, I'm an asshole. There, there's really <laughs> no two ways about that.
2: But I learned a lot. Like I,
0: you're kind of in the same boat. So yeah, if I, if I put out a 9.6 tweet, I think you would be like, hey, that was, that was for you. That was really good, because usually it's not. Facts. Facts. <laughs> so, so getting into this thing, Brian, um, one, when the FBI, like we know the NCAA is basically toothless. When, uh, they, if they investigate something, it's, they're not digging to the core. They're not peeling all the layers back. When you hear the FBI is involved, everything changes.
2: Yeah, I mean because the the the, the NCA is just limited. They don't have subpoena power. They don't have fire taps. They they don't have anything like that. So they're bringing at best a knife to a gunfight, and even that's being generous. FBI, like, first of all, we're not even talking like you know your local cops. We're talking like feds. We're talking big boy prison. We're 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 talking like ninety nine point eight conviction rate, like. You start hearing the letters FBI, and it's just like – and I doubt many people on this podcast have someone who they would consider a friend or close to a friend indicted by the FBI. It's odd, man. It's really it, – it's something you just can't describe because it it's on such a scale that's hard to fathom. Yeah, yeah like i was talking to josh gershon today who does you know our west coast stuff and you know while i'm not going to implicate book or tony or whoever you know we knew college coaches did stuff like this with agents every everybody on this podcast did we always felt like what's the worst that can happen oh if the NCAA is going to find out and they're going to get fired never does it enter your consciousness that 80 years in jail is on the table 88 why is never, that how long it is?
0: Eight. That's the maximum sentence
2: good for the, the
0: coaches that have been uh, arrested is eighty eight years in jail.
2: Like that's a long never, time. Never does like losing your freedom like, come into play when you start like thinking about like a guy cheating to get a recruit. Like that. It's just it. It's really a weird feeling. Yeah, I, I just I know I'm not exactly making great radio here. But it's impossible to describe, like, for something that you know goes on and you didn't really think much of. You're like, well, you know, I can't prove it. I'm not going to try to prove it. But I know it happens. And then 88 years, 80 years is possible. Wow. It's, it's insanity. And, Bobby,
0: like Brian said, like, we knew it's not a secret if you've worked in this business and Brian and I have been in it for, unfortunately, a lot longer than we'd like to admit. But it's not a secret that this stuff is happening. But is it a shock that the feds are involved? And is it a shock that the number we're talking about, 100,000, 150,000, for recruits?
1: Yeah, I think it's not shocking that the, – the number wasn't even shocking, the hundred hundred fifty thousand 150,000, because – just uh, how much money is involved in general when you talk athletics and apparel and everything along those lines. It wasn't shocking that it happened. It was shocking how it happened. Like, I never thought I'd see FBI college basketball. I thought there'd be eventually at some point an NCAA investigation, but never did I think there'd be a, a four college coaches arrested um, and
0: seven programs implicated,
1: seven in, and and 13 players listed. I think it was the t- total number in the affidavits. I mean, that's not I mean, it's a small number when you look at like the grants to do things, but it's not small when, when you're looking at this uh, from the get go. So I, I'm not shocked that it happened. I'm just shocked how it happened. Uh, and again, it's just because of those, those three letters FBI. I, I, I just never thought I'd wake up and see that.
0: Let's let's talk about the thirteen recruits, Brian, and, and we're not going to get into to a whole lot of of names in this situation. Um, a couple are obvious, and we might talk about that. Are you guys still there? Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll talk about that when you know a little bit further down the line. But these are all high level five star type guys. This is not going on, you know, at the sixty third kid in the country. Like this is at the upper end of the, the food chain in terms of recruits that you know, each the seasons that they each happened.
2: Yeah, I mean, I pretty much know through process of elimination who, who every kid was. I don't think any was outside the top 25, and if they were outside the top 25, it wasn't by much. So we're talking high-level kids, and when high-level kids, not all the time, and I, I don't want to give the impression that you have to cheat to get a McDonald's All-American. That that That's false. But... When high level kids want something, they're getting high level
0: dollars. Well, it's it's not just that; it's that agents who are yeah. the root of this whole thing aren't going after kids sixty three with a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, not they're, until at
1: least their sophomore or junior year.
0: Right. Yeah. They're going. They're when they're in high school, they're going after kids six with a hundred thousand right. dollars.
1: Yeah, and that's the the root of the one that it was player ten, I believe it was. With the hundred thousand dollars pay per
0: life, yeah. Can, we our, so
1: yeah, we know it's Bowen. Bowen. Um, The root of that one is expected one and done, two and done. So you know you're getting your return on investment if you're an agent pretty quickly. It's not. It's not you know like you said. It's not the not the fifty third guy. It, the only thing I I want to say about the, the the big situation in here is, and I've seen a I've said a, a lot of people said it to me is. Well, if he's getting a hundred thousand dollars and he's the fifteenth recruit, imagine what number one and two are getting, and it's like
0: a hundred thousand dollars right yeah. <laughs> I, I
1: i don't want, I don't want everyone just to sit there and go, "Well, he got this, so you know player one went to Duke, player two went to Kentucky, player three went to North Carolina, player four went to uCLA they spent a combined five hundred thousand dollars It's like, well, it doesn't really work that way
2: yeah there, I got no that I
1: got a lot
0: today. Clear, clear that stuff up, Snow, because you're deeply entrenched in this. Like,
2: one, it's not that every five-star
0: kid is getting paid. Right. Yeah.
2: And, and, and a lot of these five-star kids, especially their, their parents, are smart enough to know the money's on the back end anyway. Right. So why am I going to risk it on the front
0: end? And, and, and then you, some
2: of them aren't that smart.
0: Well, what the smart ones know is you tarnish your name if you're involved in a scandal. Yeah. And that hurts your draft stock, and that hurts your first contract, and it could slow you down to your second contract because maybe you're not taken until a year or two later, or whatever the case may be. The the people that have a an intelligent outlook on this know what we need to do is get to Duke or get to Kentucky and, and get to the NBA as absolutely fast as possible, cut out all the crap and and get working until that second contract. Yeah.
2: And like I'll I had a conversation a couple years ago. I don't want to say how many years ago, but it was with a recruits mom. And we were just discussing, we we're discussing Shabazz Muhammad. And I said, listen, I don't know what, what Ron Holmes, who's Shabazz's father got. And there's no way to know exactly how much it hurt his draft stock to be suspended and have questions around him. But let's say it cost him five spots in the draft, which I think is reasonable. And, and I broke it down. I go, listen, that costs Shabazz, or whatever the number was off the first three years of his contract. Was that worth the $100,000 that he might have gotten from whatever organization he got it from? And she's like, no. Then I said, think about it. You know, this this is a real thing. Your son's a top-level recruit. Why would you put him in that situation? Now, whether that parent listened to me or not is clearly up for debate, but, you know, I – it's something to think about, and, and a lot of parents do think about it that way.
0: Is that player player one through 13? <laughs> no. <laughs> Said player is
2: currently in the NBA.
0: Um, let's get into the heart of the matter here and what everybody wants to talk about, Louisville. Brian, is Rick Pitino the Louisville head coach by Friday?
2: In theory, yes. I, well, first of all, I don't think legally you really could fire him that quickly. Um, to me, that's probably probably a stretch. I just don't see that as a reality. Now, he might be suspended, but he would technically still be the coach. Um, but if you put an over-under at .5 games coach this year for Rick Pitino at the University of Louisville, I would take the under.
0: Regs, interesting question for you, and we'll make the disclaimer. You're a Kentucky fan, so you've got a different perspective on this maybe than some others. I'd like to think I'm
1: reasonable with yes. that.
0: Yeah. Well, reasonable for a Kentucky fan, right? I, mean, I, <laughs> I didn't
1: grow up a Kentucky fan. I graduated <laughs> from Kentucky,
0: but I well, yeah. He, here's the next the next level. Tom Jurk, is he Louisville's athletic director when basketball season starts?
1: I mean, I I know he's he's impossible to to get in. He's, he defers everything. I don't know how you keep. That admitted that whole staff from the athletic department athletic director to Patino to any assistant I don't know how that group can still be there you know after not only this allegation but the previous allegation which everyone knows what we're talking about um, i I just don't know how that can stay there there has to be a change right like
0: this this while I agree, this is an athletic director that after an assistant coach on his staff on football got a show-cause penalty from the NCAA, came out and said, that guy is the model of compliance. Right, right.
1: I just don't know how. I just don't know how. Like, I, I,
0: I keep trying to sit
1: there and try to, try to find some sort of justification and be like, well, he did this. you know. Like we talked about earlier with... With Bruce Pearl and Auburn, it's like, well, he did sell season tickets. He's a marketing genius. I keep trying to find these justifications, and it's like, but, man, how do you get past the last two allegations in the last eight months?
0: Snell, Tom Jurek, thoughts?
2: If one goes, the other goes, Yeah, is what I would say. I, I think, do you for, think better, it's- for better or worse, they, they were tied together at the hip several years ago. And when one goes, the other goes.
1: Do you think it'll be tied in at all to Bowen? Like, if he's deemed eligible and plays, do you think Patino coaches until he gets ruled ineligible?
2: No, I think Louisville's going to find that way too dangerous to play him. Because okay. you don't want to knowingly play an ineligible player.
1: Right, because it, they ha-
2: they have to be tied to this situation too now, right? Like,
1: It, it yeah, has to be... Because
2: like, the NCAA, I'm sure... Well, the NCA has to kind of tread some water here. <clears throat> we'll call it the Frank Haith policy. <laughs> um, they can probably make a call to Louisville and say, like, listen, just so you know, you have reasonable doubt, so to speak, yeah, to believe that kid's not eligible, so we'd highly recommend he's not playing.
0: Okay. Well, he's a guy that in the FBI s- paperwork – they said got a hundred thousand dollars for committing to Louisville. He's there. He's on campus. One would assume that that it was what one hundred thousand dollars in four payments. One would have to assume that at least one payment has been made. If a twenty five thousand dollars payment has been made, Brian Bowen is not eligible. And and also, there was a second. And I think some people get some of this mixed up. There was a second piece on Louisville that an assistant coach was in a hotel room with three of the other people involved in this. It was videotaped. The assistant coach was talking about paying another player. That's a 2019 prospect. um, And basically was said, we're on probation. We need to keep this on the down low, which was six weeks after they got put on probation. I'd pay for that video. Just to see the coach's face when he said it. Is that bad? I think that's bad. And I think where it's bad, just to pull back the curtain here, we did this podcast a while ago, and I I, I won't put blame anywhere else because Snow will yell at me, but it didn't work, and we're doing it again. So we're rehashing some things. What we're going to rehash here is, Brian, the death penalty is a real option for Louisville. What people don't understand is you can't just give somebody the death penalty. Yeah,
2: like the way I describe it is the death penalty in college sports is very different than the death penalty in the justice system. The death penalty in the justice system is applied for the most serious crimes. So, for instance, people saying, oh, academic fraud at North Carolina, we should throw them the death penalty. They're not even eligible for the death penalty. The real name of the death penalty is the repeat violators clause. You have to be on probation to get the death penalty. So assuming this is accurate and we're dealing with another major violation as Louisville is already on probation, they are actually eligible for the death penalty, and that is not something we see often.
0: The death penalty is on the table. Like now, that almost, that almost makes you – it almost it like puts things in a situation where you say you have to fire them just to show the NCAA that you're on your knees saying – Please,
2: not us. And I don't know that we're ever going to see the death penalty handed out. I genuinely don't. I don't know that the NCA really ever wants to do that again. But damn, if they're ever going to do it, it's going to be for this.
0: You've got an assistant coach saying, hey, man, we're, we're in big trouble here. We need to keep this quiet. Like, let's not let this get out because it's going to hit the fan when it does. And guess what? The fan is Brown." Yeah, oh. And there's a bunch of stuff splattered all over the place.
1: Yeah, they have to save face. They have to save face somehow. And it's – I think it, it – like, not only did the NCAA did not want to give out the death penalty, you don't want to give it out to a program that's one of the 10 to 15 best programs in the country. No, no, no. Most
2: valuable program in the country. Most Most, not... Yes,
0: that's the right way to look at it. You're right. They print money in Louisville. Yes. Print it. Regularly. So, I mean, it's hard to fathom, but they have now knowingly just basically given the NCAA the middle finger. And said, we're going to do whatever we have to do. I had an interesting conversation today, Brian. I'd like to hear your take on this. So, I was talking to somebody about this whole thing, and and about Louisville, and they said, you know, when when Cal got to Kentucky and really started taking over, there was a sentiment that he was being dirty, like there always is with Cal, whatever the case may be. And Patino just basically switched to, I don't care, do what we got to do. We can't get left in the dust behind him. We've got to be able to compete. Do what you got to do. The problem with that is, apparently, Rick Patino is clearly a bad cheater. (laughs) If you get into the cheating business, you better know how to cheat. And clearly, they didn't know how to cheat because they've been caught twice already.
1: He's a terrible liar, too. He, yeah. he lies like I do to my wife, where he's just like, "Oh, I didn't know what was going on." It's like when my wife tells me to do something, he's like, "Oh, I forgot." Like that's the equivalent of what he's saying. Just why the uh, hell would you admit that
2: on the God. podcast?
0: Eh,
1: she's used to it.
2: Okay. But
0: <laughs> he's doing like four podcasts today. She's not going to listen all. Okay, it. cool. But that's this that's is kind of the point. That's kind
1: of the equivalent of it is just like he just keeps coming out and trying to say this bad guy. He's a terrible liar. Like not only is he a bad cheater, he's a bad liar. You have to be good at one of those things if you're going to cheat.
2: And here's what I'm going to say. One, I'm not accusing Rick Pitino of cheating. I I just – I think everybody cheats. I'm going to put that out there right now, so I'm not going to put him in a special box. But the hooker thing, I genuinely believe he did not know. I know a lot of people and I disagree. I agree with that genuinely believe he did not know. And for the listeners out there, the reason I believe that one, Rick is many things. He's not a moron. He knows that is a moron plan. Everybody has a sorority. You know, your players know <laughs> your players know where to go if they need some care. <laughs> Two the reality is Rick Petino is not low rent. If he's getting hookers, it's not going to be the street strange at the barber shop down the road. They're going to be flown in from Miami or Vegas, and damn it, they're going to be the best hookers you've ever seen. It's just not from Rick's playbook. It, 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 it's everything he's not. It's sloppy, it's stupid, and it's low rent. That's not Rick Pitino. However, with this, we, we have a different situation here. We've got a shoe company involvement in steering a kid to a program. Now,
0: and Louisville is thick as thieves with Adidas.
2: Yeah, And for the listeners, this is important because a lot of the time when it comes to involvement with a shoe company, it is the head coach who has the relationship. Especially in the case of Louisville, where none of the guys on his staff have any ties to Adidas whatsoever. He's the only one who knows those guys. So I'm going to have a much tougher time believing I knew nothing than I would... The hooker thing. The other thing that's interesting about this deal is if you look at Rick's comments, um, and I know Bobby or Chad, you guys have it, um, where he said he was like the luckiest guy on earth to get Brian Bowen, and you know, some yeah. guy just called him. He he says that an AU organizer called him about Brian Bowen to send him to Louisville. Brian Bowen played for Mean Streets. Now, he didn't always play with Mean Streets, but his final year in AAU, he played for Mean Streets. And Chad Brundle, what shoe company sponsors Mean Streets?
0: Well, not only what shoe company, but Mean Streets is like a a core Nike program. Yes, in fact, Nike's
2: number two in charge literally founded the program.
0: Yeah, that's like, that's a hardcore Nike deal. Like, that's not a, a Nike team that they picked up Two years ago and added to the EYBL. Mean Streets was Nike like when the Peach Jam
2: started. So we're we're talking a big-time Nike program. Do we think that the head of a big-time Nike program is calling specifically to send his kid to Louisville to help Adidas? He would call Xavier before he would call Louisville. Fact. And he certainly wouldn't be doing it for the sole purpose of helping Adidas. Right. So, again, hard for me to buy
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, without question, it, it, it doesn't add up. The, there's nothing in this on the Louisville side that adds up to making sense.
1: Especially it, it just all Like, go ahead. I was say, especially that quick commitment. He what he?
0: They were involved for like five days. Right, I was to
1: say he committed what a day or two after his his visit there.
0: Yeah, it was. It was like it a, was a Tuesday. Literally, like. Like, like, Thursday, they called and said he's interested, apparently. He was there on Friday. He committed on Tuesday. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, that right there, along with the fact, as has been brought up numerous times, his whole recruiting process was weird. There weren't a lot of people in on him for being this top 15 talent. And
0: Everybody knew it was dirty, yeah, right? Yeah. Everybody.
1: So, it's like right off the like, bat, there's your sign.
0: Uh, Brian, that's – like, there are kids throughout – the time in us doing this, that you, it's very clear, very early in the process. Like this one's, you're going to have to do some work to quote unquote, get it done.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I've had coaches ask me about a kid and they're like, well, where's this kid going to school? And I say, whoever pays him the most. Really? You think that whoever pays him the most, or they'll be asking me about a kid. Like, do you think we should recruit him?" And I'll just say, how high is your salary cap? Because we know what's a money deal and what isn't. Now, we don't always know, but there's some where we absolutely do.
0: Right. There, there's some that are, are questionable. We're not sure. Yeah. Maybe you've heard a rumor about this or that. There are some that we know for sure without any question
2: are, are going to be money deals. And, you know, it just is what it is. And coaches are paid to know that. That's why whenever a coach complains to me about, oh, we were going to get this kid and then, you know, so and so cheated for him. So I always respond to the coach because I have no patience for that. I say, well, that means one of two things is true. Number one, you simply got outbid, which is the most likely option. Number two, you were so freaking stupid. You wasted (laughs) your time and your head coach's time not doing your research and knowing this was a money deal. And I'm not sure which one of those two things is worse.
0: I mean, assistant coach stupidity is – As you have learned today from the number of calls that you've gotten, uh, a rampant issue.
2: Uh, I didn't just learn that today. Thank you very much.
0: Well, no, but today it was – Yeah, it just
2: reinforced what I've known for the last (laughs) It it
0: was on full display today with coaches wondering if uh, paying for gas was going to cause them any issues with the FBI. Yeah, like
2: (laughs) oh, I paid for – I gave them $100 for gas for their unofficial visit. Can I get jammed up for that? No, the FBI does not care about that, George.
0: <laughs> Hypothetically, George. Allegedly, Allegedly George. George.
2: I actually, I don't think I talked to anyone named George today. That was pretty good on my end. But <laughs> like, it's like, listen, George. Like, do you think the FBI is going to spend ten thousand dollars and a hundred man hours investigating your hundred dollar gas purchase? Oh, probably not. Exactly,
0: moron. Let's get to uh, let's move to Arizona, which uh, they're preseason number one, number two in the country. Not a good time for something like this to hit Sean Miller's program. Not that there's a good time for it to hit anybody's right, program. Right. You, I, but I,
2: go ahead, Bobby.
1: I would say you, you just kind of hope it's not the year that you're the second favorite in Vegas to win to win uh, the national championship. Kind of hope it's like the year where you go like eighteen and
2: fourteen. Yeah, you would prefer that. But we it's are not Brian.
0: You ob- Brian, you obviously have uh, knowledge of the Arizona situation. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm sure many because this is a UC website. They know that you you started covering Xavier, and that was when Sean Miller was there, and you're not a, a stranger to Sean Miller. And th- this is a huge deal for them.
2: Yeah, I mean, th- there's no way around it. I mean, anytime your assistant coach is incarcerated, and I guess. I read a tweet recently where he's now unincarcerated, but anytime your assistant coach is incarcerated, that's a big old how we look and not good. And then when there's in the affidavits or indictments or whatever you – know, I'm not a lawyer – whatever the heck I read, when it's talking about paying record of of an agent saying you're $10,000 short or whatever the number was to get this kid to commit, that's a bad sign. That that's bad. You you don't want that. So you're dealing with some stuff that's some pretty deep stuff, and what Sean knew and what Sean didn't know, I'm not even going to speculate on. I, you know, to me, I, I not just me gain nothing. I, there's nothing of value to be added because I have no earthly idea as well as anybody else listening or, you know, on this podcast what Sean did or didn't know. But nonetheless, it's a problem for Sean. When your assistant coach is like that and the way the rules are set up within the NCAA, it's, it's, it's a problem. There's no way around it. That doesn't mean he's going to lose his job, that does, but it, it means he's having a real bad day.
0: There are there are assistants in the college basketball ranks, and I'm not going to automatically lump book, book Richardson into this, that are known as get-stuff-done guys. When you're a head coach, you know you've got to get-stuff-done guy on your staff, right? Yeah, I would. Go get stuff done? I would think so.
2: I mean, usually yeah, that's why they get hired.
1: I would say that's got to be part of the, the interview process. Not the interview process, but you know when you're going to fill out your staff that you're filling it out with someone like that.
0: So it's tough. I mean, it's it's, it's a tough look for Arizona because no matter what they do now, everything about it is going to be in question one. And two, what guys on their roster are going to be there? What guys aren't? Who who can they play? Who can they – who can't they play? Like this is a tough look for them Yeah, three days from the start of practice, four days from the start of practice. I mean
2: it sure looks like in what I read today at least one current player was alluded to, I guess would be the way to put it. Is that player going to be allowed to play? If you're the coach – they know who he is. Well, obviously. I'm just saying, like, right. As the coach, you know, do you have everybody you think you have? Are you waiting for the next shoe to drop? Like, how do you even approach this as a coach right now? I have no earthly idea.
1: Yeah, I think the one interesting, not interesting, that's a, for lack of a better word, the Arizona situation as opposed to some others is not only do they have the coach incarcerated today. They had the pay for play situation. It was the double. Yeah. It was there was two of them um, because it's that's a, that's one of the main takeaways from everything that, that came out today is there are are a couple different sc- scenarios that each school is going through that was alluded to in the findings. Some were incarcerated and pay for play. Some were just incarcerated. Some were just pay for play. Arizona is one of the few that have both. And I Hit think that's level. where it gets—that's where it gets tough for Sean Miller, the athletic department, the school as a whole.
0: Bobby, I'm going to ask you this because I'm not—I don't think Snow is smart enough to read legal documents and figure out what they mean. I can guarantee you, I'm not. I feel There's, like I can do
1: bird law like Charlie Kelly after reading that.
0: <laughs> the the coaches that were incarcerated, those were coaches that took—I guess you would call them kickbacks.
1: Right. Like there are like, there is. There, there are fraud allegations, I guess that's the right word, fraud allegations yeah. against...
0: Fraud or bribe. Right. It, One it, of the two.
1: So there are legit illegal activity that's not illegal, quote, illegal in the NCAA, but illegal in society, um, that were brought against them, and that's why they were incarcerated. It, pay for play is just an NCAA thing. That is, There's nothing illegal for, you know a coach to hand me a hundred thousand dollars to go play basketball for them. It's what happens to right. everything else along with if, that money.
0: If that coach is taking $15,000 on top of that right. for his own personal. And, and from what I read, it was between 8,000 or $18,000 and a hundred thousand dollars that these coaches had taken as kickbacks. Right.
1: And the big thing was there was false allegations. Like I th- I believe it was a financial advisor, um, I forget which coach was trying to point kids to him. Who said he worked with Barkley and he had never even met Barkley? It's things like that. Is that's what the FBI is going after? The NCAA, that's a whole different thing. But that's where the incarcerations are coming from. I, cause I know that's right. That's let's, been something that's been brought up. Asked a lot today. Is going well. What's the let, Let's actually
2: make sure very clear here. The FBI is basically after. To put to, – to make this more real life for people, like my grandfather who grew up extremely poor but never spent a dollar in his life gets to be about 85 years old, and he decides he wants to give his four grandchildren a lot of money while he's still alive. And my dad has to explain to him, he says to his dad, like, dad, you can't give them that much money in one spot. They're going to have to pay taxes on it. So you're going to have to spread it out over the course of a couple years. Okay. Well, when you start talking $100,000, Uncle Sam's not getting his money. Right. Uncle Sam wants his money, and that's a big factor. That's what the FBI is after. Now, it just yes. so happens that this NCA garbage is caught in the crosshairs, and the FBI doesn't care if, if someone else goes down for an NCA violation in the process as long as they get who they view as criminals punished.
1: Right. Correct. Correct. I think the thing that a lot of people are losing sight of is that the pay-for-play allegations against Louisville and a 16,000-student school in Florida was – it was listed along with everything else. And I think that's where people –
0: Yeah, people want to know why the assistants from those schools weren't incarcerated.
1: And going, well, there's pay-for-play. It's like, well, it's not – the FBI does not care at all about pay-for-play. They care about the – the, the the legal activities like like Brian said not getting
0: the taxes and then
1: the uh, fraudulent statements
0: Brian are these families and I think this is an obvious answer are these families uh, that have taken money not the the potential future recruits the families that have taken money tax evasion is coming their way right
2: I would assume I would assume that's the end game because if it's not what's the point of all this
0: right, right. what are we doing here
2: um, so I would clearly assume – No, I think there's pretty pretty obviously I, I believe deals will be cut on that, and when I say deals will be cut, like it's just easier not to go through a prosecution to get every dollar you can. It'll be – we'll pay you $10,000 over the course of five years or whatever it's going to be to pay back to the government. Um, but I, if, if that's not what they're after, then I'm not sure what they're after to be honest with you. Because they're clearly not after cleaning up college basketball. They made it very clear they don't care about that. Yeah. So unless that's the end game, what, what's the purpose of this?
0: Yeah. Um, quickly on the, the, the five other schools. I, I don't think – I don't want to say they don't matter as much, but they don't move the needle as much um, as Louisville and Arizona. Um, what What's the future for those? I know the uh, 16,000 – Student private school in Florida had a, a kid that was maybe going to commit today. That's up in the air. Like, uh, what's the ramifications for Auburn that we know of and USC that we know of and um, crap? Who's escaping my mind right now? Is the, Oklahoma the
2: Oklahoma State? Yeah,
0: oh, Oklahoma State. Well, that and is that really on Oklahoma State or is that
2: on South Carolina? Person?
0: At South Carolina before he went to Oklahoma State.
2: My guess is it's on it's on the coach at both spots. Would be my guess. Okay. Okay. Uh, what
0: what's what's this mean for those schools? Like, are they handicapped in recruiting right now? Are they are they looking at themselves thinking we can't do anything with it with this hanging over our head?
2: I would think it's going to be really tough because, especially we're we're talking about the sixteen thousand person private school in Florida. Let me give you a hint. It's in the south part of Florida. Um, very south. What'd you say?
0: Very south. Very very south.
2: Um, <laughs> if you're an assistant coach, I, in fact, I, I had a couple coaches call me about about recruits either going to USC or this school in Florida, and they asked what I would do. I, I said, "You're not doing your job if you don't bring it up to the kid." How how can you not? How can you justify in your mind? Not bringing up this to the kid or to his parents or to his coaches, whoever it may be. You're you're absolutely insane if you don't. So I think schools are going to use it against them. And some people go, oh, that's negative recruiting. The hell it is. It's recruiting. That's not
0: negative recruiting. Right. That's not negative recruiting. Negative recruiting is don't go to this school because that coach is a a
2: a jerk. Yeah,
0: he's a racist. Yeah. Yeah. That's negative recruiting. Saying the FBI arrested their assistant coach today, you might want to rethink this. Is not negative recruiting. Yeah, it's no, that's a, stating a fact.
2: Yeah, it's an undeniable fact. So, and you know, it's like, hey, the, this private school in south south part of Florida was mentioned. You know, in this, you sure you want to really make your commitment there? If you're a coach and you're not doing that, what the hell are you getting paid for?
1: Right, or if you know exactly. if you know these assistant coaches that were incarcerated were the main recruits uh, or the main recruiter on these recruits going, guess what? You can't talk to them unless you have a collect phone call. <laughs> That's like, true. true. Like,
0: guess what? I can text you. My I hunch can,
2: is they don't have their phones right now. That's probably uh, evidence.
0: Unless, unless somebody's got 50000 to get them out.
2: And uh, it looks that's like Tony Bland's is a hundred. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, and I—that's wow. another big old how we looking.
1: Yeah, not good. Yeah, yeah, that's not great.
2: So,
0: the other thing I'm kind of curious about, Bobby, for your opinion on what does the NCAA do with the, like what? How do they handle this? Uh, or, uh, does the FBI hand over all the phone records? Do the phone records expose even more because there are NCAA violations that aren't FBI issues? Uh, like, where is where does this go? It's It's hard to even fathom. If they had one coach in a hotel room in Vegas, how many coaches were in a hotel room in Vegas, that same hotel room, talking to some of these people? Or what, like... I can't get my brain around when this does become an NCAA deal, and it's not an FBI deal anymore. And that's still got more to go. Like this thing is going to be wide, wide-reaching. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. I think the
1: NCAA has to have their hands tied a little bit because you, I think you can only start with those schools and coaches and players that are publicly out there in all the paperwork today. And then, um, what was the U.S. Attorney, uh, Kim was his last name, right? U.S. Attorney Kim, during his press yes. conference today, talked about how there's interviews going on. I think as the information comes out, the NCAA can, I shouldn't say that they should wait for the public, but once they hear, from, I don't know what the FBI is going to release to the NCAA until this matter is closed. Like I, I would say nothing. Right, that's, that's kind of my inclination is this is an FBI case. What do they care if they have to root? Re- they don't have to hand over anything to the NCAA. Like it, it's, yeah, a,
2: it's an open, it's an open investigation. Closed. Until this case is closed, I think the NCAA is going to get nothing from the FBI. Right. And so quite I think, honestly, I don't want the FBI releasing stuff on an active case. To right, me, that, right. That's just not good for business for anybody.
1: That opens up the, the door for a lot more,
2: a lot yeah. more
1: things outside the college basketball world.
2: Yeah, I, I'm just fine with the NCAA having to get in line.
1: Right. The other so, thing
2: is the NCAA is going to be super careful because they've already screwed this up once with Frank Hayes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is already a bad to, look. And it's yeah, already bad They have to stop their eyes and cross their T's and make sure they don't step in the way of anything because they've got everybody completely dead to rights. They can't just, they can't screw it up again. Right. So I
1: think they have to start with what's out there publicly. Yeah. I don't think they can try to conduct their own investigation. They just have to start with here's what we know. Here's who we know is involved. Let's start here and try to figure figure out what the heck's going on, um, because like, like Brian said, you can't. They're not going to get insider information to the FBI because the FBI doesn't care. They've already come out and said that. They're not going to, you know, people are people aren't going to talk to the NCAA knowing that there's a potential FBI case going on. Um, so they're kind of stuck the end, and it's a, I, I think it's a bad look for the NCAA because. All this went on without them knowing, and they're blindsided by it today like everyone else, and here they, they, they can't really do a full investigation until the FBI stuff's closed. I'll and say this.
2: And I've, we're three days from the start of the season. I knew the FBI was, obviously, I know the FBI is really good at what they do. They, they've proven that year after year after year. The fact that nobody had any inclination at all, because I can assure you, if there was even the slightest of rumor, college basketball coaches—they gossip more than teenage girls. You everybody. would have had two hundred calls. Yeah, like everybody I would, would have heard had something—a a rumor—and uh, not just me, Evan Daniels. You know who Goodman, whoever. We wouldn't have been completely blindsided this morning. That is how damn good the FBI is.
0: It's, it's remarkable that this just hit, like, a ton. Of, and, and you're right, Brian. It, it completely establishes, like, these dudes don't mess around. <laughs> when they knock on the door, you are in trouble, lots of it, and, and quick. Like, waking up, alarm goes off at 6.30, ah, I think I'm going to have a good day. Knock
2: on the door at 7, sir, you're coming with us. Yeah, and, like, just so people know, like, I haven't talked to any of the four assistants that were arrested today in in several weeks, maybe even a month or two. But you know, people I know talked to them as late as midnight last night. They were all arrested around eight in the morning. Let yeah. me give you a hint. If you know you're gonna be arrested by the FBI at eight in eight hours, you're not talking about recruiting with a colleague. That's no, not that's happening. the last thing on my mind. Yeah, that's not happening. So they had no clue, none. uh,
0: Let's get to the recruiting uh, ramifications of this, Brian. Um, uh, I know I went on uh, the first podcast, I went on a long spiel. I I don't want to go on a long spiel. I want to give this to you because you're the guy that's doing this. What does this mean in recruiting to have not only the programs mentioned handicapped a little bit, but the entire – Maybe system of agents funneling money through shoe companies, through coaches to players. You got to rethink that because if you're in the middle of that, now you're thinking the FBI's on your ass. Like, what does this mean in the the near and not so long term future for recruiting in college basketball?
2: Well, let's establish one thing: cheating's not going to stop. As no. long as they keep score of basketball games, cheating in basketball will occur. Everyone needs to accept that. You're not watching this puritanical sport. Um, what it does is in the past, if you're a college basketball coach, the only thing you're worried about is getting caught by the NCAA. So what you do is you remove yourself one so- one, one level and have the agent involved and the money manager involved and, you know, whoever it may be, because then it doesn't come back to you, at least not directly. And that guy's not going to rat on you because you set him up with money. You were never remotely worried about the feds. It it wasn't on the radar. Well, now you are, so you have to change the way you cheat. And how exactly that happens, I don't know. Well, the interesting
0: thing for me, and now, now, like, there's $5,000 bag of cash cheating, and there's $100,000 funneling of money. That $100,000 funneling of money just got infinitely harder to do. No doubt how do you even think about going through with that knowing the end result is possibly 88 years in federal prison
1: yeah i'm if i'm an assistant coach I, i'm not making that call like it's and and we talked about this on the podcast that didn't get recorded you have to go back to the cash in the bag which is still going to happen
0: of course it's going to happen It's going to happen it's just the FBI is not looking for a, a, a bag drop.
1: No, then that's what's that's what's gonna happen. I mean, that's what's still gonna happen. But in terms of reaching out to it's, agents and all that stuff, I'm not making that call if I'm an assistant coach.
0: Well, and Brian, what you know now is if it's a hundred thousand dollars, they might come looking for their money.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be what you're gonna see now is instead of. $100,000 it's going to be you know the asking price just went down because the other thing is if you, if you're a family you don't want that big target on you either so the asking price is going to go down and it's going to come in the form of we're giving we're going to give you $2,000 after each game $2,500 after each game whatever it may be in cash and you be smart about how you put it in your account spread it out do it different ways that's how the cheating's going to go down now in my opinion it, Put it
0: in your pillow. Yeah,
2: like this is not to be deposited <laughs> in your bank account, and here is, and you've got to spell out here is why. If you're a coach, I know one coach does this already. He's a head coach. He's an older head coach. He's not a head coach that anybody on this podcast would think I talked to, and I don't talk to him to be fair. I just know this is true. He takes the maximum amount of money out of his bank, out of his ATM every day. So it's a very consistent withdrawal. At that point, when he needs to pay to get something done for his program, straight cash, homie. Yeah, that's
1: that's. I mean, that's what you're going to start seeing is is the, the, whether it's the max amount or a certain dollar amount, whether it's you know five hundred bucks every day or whatever it is, yeah. an arbitrary number. That's the stuff that you're going to see, and and I'm sure in
0: twenty five years, twenty years, whatever it is. There'll be another story similar to this. Yeah. Prepaid credit cards are going to be a thing again, Brian. Yeah, I mean. They had kind of, gone out of style a yeah, little bit Yeah, They're, over they're the about last to get back years. in. Visa
1: gift cards for everybody. 100 bucks hey. at a
0: time. <laughs> now, in terms of uh, what it. Let's talk Cincinnati for a second, or, or Xavier, or a program that is not on the level where they're getting kids that cost $100,000 to bring into your program. What does this mean for them? Are there going to be, because some of these programs that are doing this are out, are there going to be kids that are going to be more available to them now? And, and how?
2: Yeah, And I think where this comes in is, you know, instead of Auburn getting Austin Wiley over Kentucky, now Austin Wiley is going to go to Kentucky, which takes away Sasha Kalaya-Jones' scholarship at Kentucky. So now Sasha Kalaya-Jones is going to go one step down the ladder, no longer at the Blue Blood level, He's going to go to the Cincinnati level, the Xavier level, the whatever level we want to talk about. Or if you even want to say he's going to go to an Ohio State or Indiana, well, guess what? Now that Jake Forrester, he's no longer at Indiana, he's going to Xavier or Cincinnati. And I think you're going to see a slight trickle down like that, where a few more kids are now up for grabs. Yeah, I think
1: everyone's in agreement the top teams are still going to be the top teams. It's that middle of the pack in the conferences that'll be a little bit stronger. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna contend year in and year out, but they'll win one or two more games than they should. They'll they'll beat that. You know, we talked about like Virginia Tech will beat Duke one more time or something like that um, because they're getting those four star guys that were getting recruited up a little bit now they now they fall down a little bit and they're getting you know three four-star recruits instead of two four-star recruits. So the you'll see a little bit of a strengthening of the of middle of the pack conference teams rather than top tier, you know, top talent, top teams. They're not going to take a step back. They're not going to be challenged as much. It's going to be just more of that. And what, what I think you could see happen in, in terms of, if you want to stick to like Cincinnati, Xavier, and those guys is come NCAA tournament time. They might, they might, take more bids away from the, quote, mid-majors because they're now getting the better talent, letting them to get the more quality wins
0: because they can compete a little bit more now. I used this example the first time. I'm going to use it again. Trayvon Blewett was a top-50 kid. He made a massive difference over four years in the Xavier program. If they are able to get one more kid every two years even, that is huge for Xavier. That is huge for Cincinnati.
2: Huge. Like, think of Cincinnati ads. You know, they get a uh, – gosh, I'm so old now I can't remember names. Kid from New York who I love, who I made a four-star, who's a freshman this year, Chad, UC got Keith Williams. Keith Williams. Think if they also added a Jaron Cumberland in that class with Keith Williams. Right. Like, what are we talking about for this UC team? Right. Yeah. Right.
0: And uh, I, I just don't think – I think it's understated because – and I hate getting into the star system, and, and Snow and I have disagreed on this many times because it, it's a part of a job that he has to do, and it's a part of a job I don't necessarily agree with at times, the way that it, that it happens. But what pe- what fans don't understand is, like, uh, when a kid is a four-star, that is a kid that is expected in year three to be a high, high-level player, right? Snow, oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, pe- that's an all-American. look at that. That people look at that and think, well, he's just a he's just 83rd. Well, yeah, he's 83rd now, but
2: as a junior, he's like the 25th best junior. Yeah, when he when he's 21 years old, going against that 18 year old freshman, he better be kicking his ass. Right.
0: Yeah. So getting a couple more of those kids is massive.
2: Now, granted, if he was a 21 year old on UC's team this year, he might be the youngest guy on the roster, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And that's something that Brian Snow loves about UC this year. Literally.
2: Right? I got to look at it, Chad. I really think if we take J.J. Redick out, UC's older than the Sixers.
0: I think you're right.
2: They're, probably, they're older than Minnesota, that's for sure. The Timberwolves Which is just amazing.
0: Kyle Washington is, is
2: old. <laughs> Him and my older brother actually grew up together. Little known fact.
0: Kay, Kane Broom is not young.
2: Nope.
0: Gar, Gary Clark is not young. It's a very old Bearcat roster, and there's there's two freshmen that
2: yeah, don't go there. They're from
0: don't go they're there. from they're from they're from overseas, and we're not quite sure. <laughs> there's, we don't know. Have you ever heard the Vince You've heard the Vince story, right? How many rains? Oh, I I mean yes. Bobby, have you ever I, Bobby, heard this one? Bobby has not heard this no. story, so I'm going to no. enlighten Bobby with, with this story. So there there was a was a, a specific kid. We sure, um, can
2: say him by name. It,
0: past okay, the, it was
2: past the. It uh, was John,
0: remember John Reek. Yeah, yeah. John Reek showed up kind of out of nowhere. Um, at one point in time, he was committed to UC, and then he came in, and they looked at his knee, and they were like, uh, "That we can't do this. Like that knee's terrible." But so there was some question as to the age of John Reek. And uh, there's somebody that is a very high-ranking AAU official. Did I say his name already? You
2: you said his first name, but let's just leave it at that. Okay, we'll we'll leave
0: it at that. So there's a very high-ranking AAU guy that was was explaining to me at the point when he was committed to UC on how to figure out how old he is.
2: Well, hold on. Chad, let let me set this up a little bit more. John Reed is dominating. At the time, it was called Nike Hoop Jamboree, which is for underclass prospects. And I do mean dominating. But this dude looks like he's 50. Right. Go, go ahead, Chad.
0: So he so, was like, well, this, this this is how you figure out how old these guys are. So when you ask them their age, they're trained. How old are you? I am 16 years old. But they grew up in Africa. So what they know is in Africa, there's one rainy season every year. So that you ask them. How old are you? I'm 16 years old. How many rains have you seen? I have seen 23 rains. <laughs> and, and and then you add the number of years that they've been in America, and you find out exactly their age, right? Because <laughs> they're not trained to answer how many rains have you seen.
2: <laughs> and, it, and like, Go ahead, Brian. what they did is they asked they asked John. They said, "How old are you?" He said, "I don't know." Then they're like, no, 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 how old are you? And he said, I don't know. So then our friend goes, well, how many rains have you seen? At which point everyone broke out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a
1: great way to do it.
0: It, it. It's one of the funniest stories I've ever heard on the recruiting trail. Uh, I, it, like literally, I almost collapsed laughing when it, the whole thing, because I wasn't actually like fully invested in the recruiting world yet at that point in time. So I was getting it secondhand, and when I heard the story told, I literally lost my mind. How many reigns have you seen? I've seen 22 reigns. He's been in America four years. That gets 26. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, people make fun of Greg Oden for being old. Greg Oden looked like Robert Parrish's uncle. John Reek looked like Greg Oden's grandpa.
2: <laughs> no question.
0: And had the knees to match. I, I think we've pretty much hit on the on everything that there is to hit on here, Bobby. You got anything to to add as a as a final statement on this uh, chaos that we saw today?
1: No, I mean I, I said it before. I've said it on my Twitter. I said it numerous times today. It's hard not to overreact, but this isn't like college basketball is not dead yet unless you live in Louisville
0: <laughs> because
1: it, it, like. They're still starting practices there's still gonna be a season it's it's not dead like we still get to watch basketball don't don't I know it's hard to o- not overreact but it's still we still get basketball soon So, it's
0: not it's not dead completely plug the uh, plug what you do at Barstow I know you wrote a uh, an article on sideline out of bounds plays that um, went went viral a couple days ago
2: <laughs> yeah so I've been <laughs> and,
0: and, and you're working on something now on, on pick-and-roll offense that I'm sure is going to be just as popular. Yeah,
1: so it's, with preview season coming up, I've been trying to look at just different in-depth ways because who doesn't love betting like daytime overs because I know there are degenerates at Reeb Barstool. Um, so I've been trying to find different ways of, of presenting what teams do well. So I've been doing uh, some some looks at point, point, point per possession and in baseline out-of-bounds and pick-and-rolls and – and, press offense, press defense, everything like that. So doing all previous stuff, you can go to BarstoolSports.com and and find me at Twitter at BarstoolRiegs, R-E-A-G-S. Plug the podcast? Yeah, podcast with uh, former Wisconsin guard Ben Brust, uh, Fundamentally Sound. Uh, We have a couple live shows coming up in Cincinnati. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter there, Fundamentally SD. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Um, So we've... uh, We've had, had some cool guests, and obviously with Ben being a former player, always get some, uh, some good insight from, from that world.
0: Snow, he has a podcast with a former uh, big-time college basketball player. You have a podcast with Rick Broering. I think he wins on that one. He spent five hours compiling data uh, on pick-and-roll offense. You were sleeping. I think you win on that one. I'm so jealous. Facts. <laughs> any final any final thoughts, Snow?
2: It's only going to get more fun. It's only going to get more fun.
0: All right. We're going to bring an end to this thing. I'm going to hit stop, and hopefully there's a file that I can publish <laughs> to BearcatJournal.com when we get done. Gentlemen, it's been a blast both times. Thank you for your uh, cooperation and patience, and uh, I appreciate you being on. Bobby Reagan, BarstoolSports.com, Barstool Regs, Brian Snow, be Snow Scout, now a part of the 24-7 Sports Network. It's good to work with you again, Snow. I've missed working with you.
2: I haven't. <laughs>
0: well, I'm kind of lying, but I thought I would be nice. Okay. It, it, was, it was my way of saying thank you for coming on the podcast.
2: All right. Sounds good.
0: All right. Thanks, <laughs> fellas. Talk to you soon. Yeah. I'm Chad Brendel. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.